Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Uh, being that this is the 500th anniversary year of the Lutheran Reformation, which was begun on October 31st, 1517, we are uh, spending just three weeks uh, really talking about the, the fundamentals of this Lutheran Reformation theology. As, as Martin Luther identified in all, all of his teachings kind of came boiling down, it came boiling down to, to three main points, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, according to the Holy Scriptures alone. So last week we talked about this first one, that we are saved by grace. Grace is a free gift, a free gift, a free undeserved gift that God gives to us despite our sins, solely because he loves us, and he demonstrates that and gives us that grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace alone. We cannot do anything, anything to earn that. But then today, we focus on this next, this second sola, sola fide, that is faith alone. Now salvation is ours through faith alone. Salvation is ours through faith alone, by grace through faith. Today, uh, our, our main Bible verse that I want to look at is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Again, it's printed for you, but I'll put it up on the screen. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. These are the words from the Apostle Paul, and these words really resonated with Martin Luther as he was reading the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, he was, being, he was being exposed and reading about the beauty of the gospel of Jesus, that we are broken sinners and that God loves us anyways and saves us. And that is what grace is. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot do anything uh, to add to grace. And this is what we've been talking about the last two weeks, very, very clearly, over and over. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn God's favor. But then the question for today is, how do we receive that gift? How do we receive that gift? And we receive the gift of grace through faith, right? Through faith. So we are saved by grace through faith. These are, what the, these are the words that the Apostle Paul uses. We are saved by grace through faith. So it is the grace, it is that undeserved gift that God gives to us, and how do we receive it? Through faith. But faith can be a bit of a confusing word and a confusing concept, and it can even, if you're reading the scriptures, uh, faith can sometimes even seem to contradict itself. And here's what I mean. Oftentimes it seems like there are places in the scriptures where faith is demonstrated as this gift of God, that we can do nothing to earn. Just like we read in, in Ephesians 2, right? God gives you this gift of faith. But there are other places in the scriptures that seem to talk about faith being this thing that we do. I'll give you two examples. The first one, uh, this is a, a very poignant one. It says this, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. All right, so this is in the book of James, and it seems to contradict what Paul had said. Paul said, we're saved by grace through faith, not according to works. And here in James it's saying, if you don't have works to accompany your faith, your faith means nothing, it's dead. 
Is that contradictory or do these work together? Or maybe you would even look at Jesus' very own words in Matthew 17 and think, isn't faith something that we can do? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 17. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out this demon, but you could? And Jesus says, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Doesn't that seem like, all right, if you've got this big trusting faith that you can do absolutely anything? That seems to be what it's saying. Does that seem to contradict what Paul said, right? By grace through faith? I think that we have a hard time understanding faith and, and working all this out because we often interpret uh, words in the scriptures based on our own worldly um, understanding of these words. And so I think we interpret our relationship with God and what faith in God means with how we use that word and that concept in our daily living. If you're anything like me, I am often tempted to think that life is all about me. And I would agree, or I would uh, surmise that that is at the root of all of our uh, sin is, is that self-inflicted nature, that selfishness. So I think all of us naturally think that life revolves around us. And therefore, if it comes to faith, faith should mean it's about us making good choices. It's about us believing correctly. It's about us having the right doctrine, about us doing the right things. It's about what we do, isn't it? Doesn't it seem oftentimes that faith is like this power that we can tap into? And if we have enough, if we grow it enough, if we charge it up enough, then we will be able to be saved and do great things. But if you have a weak faith, if you have a small faith, if you have a little faith, hmm, you better work on that. Is that how you view faith? I think a lot of people do. I believe a lot of people do. And, and again, I think it's influenced by the way that we operate in this world. I think that many people view faith as some sort of God-inspired form of self-help. Let me say it again. I think people view faith as some sort of God-inspired form of self-help. In the United States, Self-improvement is big business. Self-help products and services are a $9.6 billion industry in just the United States. People in America love to help themselves, right? Help yourself, right? It seems to be the American dream, right? If I can will it, I can do it. If I can will it, I can do it. If I work hard enough, I can achieve. Honestly, frankly, in my own personal life, I sort of live by this mantra myself. I love having that kind of attitude, that stick-with-it-ness. It could be my quarter fin sisu within me, right? I can do it. I can do it. If I believe enough, if I have enough confidence, if I work hard enough, I should be able to achieve. In my daily life, that is how I try to go about my decision making and how I try to accomplish things. But I think 
when we live that way, our understanding of faith in God is clouded by this kind of operating that we have in this world. Because of that, our faith in God ends up being this, this thing that I somehow need to get more of, and that I need to deepen, and that I need to expand, and that this faith thing is, more, is something I need to grow in and get more and more and more of, and when I have enough of it, then, then I will have salvation. Is that how it works? If so, where are you going to get, go and get more and more? Can you purchase this faith thing? Where are you going to get more? And what is enough? What is enough to be saved? See, I think that a lot of people operate this way with their faith in God, thinking that if I can will it, if I can do it, if I can believe right and act right, then, then I will be saved. Oh, really? You think you can? If so, maybe you should take a look at this. We're saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Those are, those are kids that belong to the youth group of one of my friends who's a youth leader down in Florida. Uh, she took that video and uh, is just distributing it to embarrass her kids. So I said, hey, can I use it? Right? Here's the deal. Every single one of those kids wanted to achieve. Right? They wanted to. They wanted to. And, and I'm sure they would have loved to succeed at that little game and boast to their friends that they were the one who didn't get knocked down. Did you see anyone not get knocked down? No, right? Every single one of them got knocked down, and every single one of us has been knocked down. Knocked down by sin, knocked down by its effects on us, knocked down by broken relationships. Every single one of us have been knocked down. And if salvation is based in my ability to believe enough, to have enough faith, to trust rightly, and to do accordingly, if that's how my salvation is determined, I, Aaron Gerke, am in big trouble. I'm in big trouble because in the end, with the amount of difficulties that arise in this world, I, frankly, would just want to give up after a while. Wouldn't you? This was Martin Luther's struggle. It was his struggle. We've talked about this struggle before, that, that he was trying to be a good monk. He was trying to do right, trying to believe right, trying to do all the right things, and he just couldn't. And that's where he discovered that good gift of grace. Again, that free, undeserved gift. And how is that gift received? Through faith. Through faith. And so Martin Luther ended up seeing that faith in the scriptures is not contradictory. I put a bunch of scriptures up earlier. He didn't see faith as contradictory, but he saw faith working in two different directions. First, in our relationship with God, faith is passive. In our relationship with God, faith is passive. 
This means that we do not do anything to get this faith. In our relationship with God, God gives us faith. How does he give us faith? Through the power of his Holy Spirit that is received in the waters of baptism, that is, that is spoken in the words of absolution. When God is present, his Holy Spirit is present, then the Holy Spirit works in us to have a faith that trusts in him. Faith, therefore, is a gift from God. If you think about that, it sounds kind of weird because we always think faith is something I do. But in our relationship with God, faith is something God gives to us. The Bible says that we cannot say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wills it within us to become Christians, to have that faith, to trust in him. So God is always at work through his faithfulness, bringing about faith in us to trust in him. So it's passive in our relationship with God. We can do nothing there. However, in our lives in this world, with the world, with other people, faith is active. Martin Luther said that faith is a lively, active, bold activity that we Christians should participate in. But why are we active in this world? as a response to what he has done for us. And out of obedience to what he has called us to do, we are active in this world. But the Apostle Paul, in that, in that reading from Ephesians, he said what? That, that, we are not, or that we are saved by grace through faith, not according to our works. So what should we do in this world? Should we do good works in this world? Absolutely. We, we Christian people should be people who are boldly doing great works, not just good works, great works in this world. Not, not to earn more of God's favor, but simply because our neighbor needs us to live and do good works. We do good works because our neighbor needs us to. This is what Luther had to say about good works. God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. So when you are doing good and great things in this world, God is pleased with you, not because of what you are doing or not doing. He's pleased with you because of what he has done for you on the cross. That's the only way to please God is to sit at the foot of the cross, humbly receiving what he gives. And then we go into the world actively and boldly because that is what God has called us to do. We are alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. We receive this gift of liveliness and then we live lively lives in this world, in this community, in our homes, in our neighborhoods in our towns, in our states, throughout the world, we go with the fullness of life in Christ. Not because God needs us to do that, but because our neighbors do, so that they will see our good works and give glory to our God who is in heaven. It all comes back to this image which I used last week, and I just used with the children, but I believe it bears repeating for us. It goes back to this cross at the front of our church. We have faith in this cross. And again, I simply ask you to reflect on that cross. What shape, what letter does that cross make? It makes the letter T. Let that T stand for trust, or believe, or maybe even have faith. 
have faith that what Jesus did on the cross and what he says he did on the cross is actually true. We have faith that our God loves us, that he sent his son into this world. We have faith that we have the forgiveness of sins. We have the faith that we have new life and eternal life. And that faith is just given to us purely by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to receive it. But here's the most important thing in this whole conversation. You know, our faith, it has nothing. Our faith is nothing in comparison to God's faithfulness to us. Our faith is nothing. It is nothing without God's faithfulness to us. Right? Our faith is nothing without God's faithfulness to us. You can believe as much as you want in something. You can be convinced as much as you want in something. You can work with all your might to never, ever, ever doubt. But if you have faith in a lie, what good is it? I tell you today that the faith that we have in the cross of Jesus is not a lie. Our God is not a liar. He proclaims truth. To us, you can read the Bible for yourself and look it up. When God makes a promise, He always follows through on that promise. The greatest promise that He ever made was the deliverance of His people from sin and punishment, and He gives it to us freely on the cross. My friends, God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. No matter how strong or weak you think your faith is, God is faithful to you. He is faithful in his promises, and his promise is this. You are forgiven. Eternal life is yours. He is with you now. He will never forsake you. He is coming back for you to make all things new. And in the meantime, my dear friends in Christ, just simply receive the gift of grace for you. Receive his gift of grace humbly. Let that faith work in you, and then go as the most bold witnesses you can be in this world for the sake of your hurting, broken, lost families, neighborhoods, towns, cities, states, country. Go boldly into this world, not because God needs you to, but because your neighbors need you to. We go truly and fully alive in Christ. Go in his peace and in his strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.